Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. We are doing a basketball uh, podcast today, which means I am joined by Eric Gibson. Eric, how are you doing? This is March. This is March, and here to celebrate March is Dan Smith. Dan, how are you? This is March. Once again, yes, it is March, and funny enough, Penn State basketball is playing meaningful basketball games in March, which uh, doesn't quite seem that way with kind of the tenor around the program right now, how things have gone over the last couple of weeks since we last uh, podcasted, which was sometime during their eight-game conference winning streak. Penn State uh, has ended the season by losing five of six losses to Indiana uh, and Michigan State at the Bryce Jordan Center, a win over Rutgers at the BJC and road losses to Indiana, Iowa, and Northwestern. Uh, bad news is that's not the way you want to end a season, and the Nittany Lions did not end up getting a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. They got uh, the number six seed. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. But the team, 21-10 and 10 on the year, 11-9 and nine in conference play, and 26 in Ken Palm. Uh, Eric, I'm going to start with you, and we're going to kind of just look at this uh, pretty broadly over the last, you know, six games of Penn State's season. And we'll dive into some other, like, specific issues that we'll want to talk about. But just broadly, what has gone wrong that has led to the team kind of hitting a wall uh, at the end of the season like this? Oh, you can't pinpoint like one specific thing um it's always a combination of things i think the schedule got a little bit harder um and then also chambers had a big press conference today kind of talking about um, kind of a, a passionate press conference today talking trying to highlight all their accomplishments and keep the positivity around the program because obviously losing five or six has everyone on the verge of jumping off the cliff you know only this team can make making the NCAA tournament feel like a disappointment right now, but that's what they're doing. So um, I think the biggest thing as far as the on the core product, um, Lamar Stevens has uh, had probably the last, I mean, the worst three weeks. Um, I don't know how far back into his career you got to go to compare um, kind of his output right now, but he has been shut down by uh, a lot of good defenders, a lot of good teams, you know, Illinois, Michigan State really thwarted him at home. Um, so he's been kind of in a slump, and and when the Lions they don't have their leader out there, I think it affects it affects the rest of the team obviously because because Stevens is, has such a presence on both ends of the floor for this team, um, and then it also kind of highlighted some weaknesses that that had been able to be hidden up to this point in the season. Um, part of that was exposed further when Myron Jones was out for three or four weeks with his illness. Um, and he's back now, but is he at 100%? That's kind of like an ongoing uh, situation. So kind of exposed a lot of the weaknesses they have around Stevens as well. Um, he commands such a big presence of the offense that um, his team really struggles to manufacture plays um, from their backcourt, especially points. Um, you know, not a lot of – I don't even know who you can say on this team can – consistently get to the rim off the bounce. Uh, probably no one. Um, Jones has shown he can a little bit, uh, but everybody else, they can't finish drives. I mean, Brockington can in, in the full court, but they just they just don't have a lot of dimensions when you're able to uh, shut down Stevens as much as these teams have shut him down recently. Um, so really the whole conversation going into the postseason is, is he going to be able to gain his confidence back 
and play like the first team um, all talent that he is here down the stretch. Uh, Dan, I kind of want to go to you. Same question, just what in your estimation has gone wrong uh, for Penn State over these last couple of games? Yeah, I think it's hard to argue with what Eric said about it being, you know, a number of factors that are contributing to this. Stevens is probably the easiest one to look at. Early in the losing streak, it was Myron Jones's absence, but it's definitely something where the negatives that they had throughout the season seem to be more pronounced right now and you know there are obviously some reasons for it but it does you know lead to some concerns as you're trying to project an outlook of what does this mean for the Big Ten tournament what does this mean for the NCAA tournament because not to say that a blueprint has been laid out but uh, I think when it comes to you know the way the teams can scout for them when it comes to their own confidence there's definitely you know, some concern there that this that you know, there is a not a ceiling per se, but definitely uh, you know a, a wider array of outcomes uh, when it comes to you know ways that they can lose uh, here. You know, as opposed to what it looked like as they really seemed to turn it on, figure some things out when they were on the winning streak. So. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I sort of went in a direction that was more of a, you know, trying to, you know, take a what does this mean approach to what it is, because I think Eric kind of hit on everything is in terms of what I think, uh, you know, factors into all of this. But uh, for sure, it's something that I think isn't, uh, it didn't come out of nowhere. And uh, I think, you know, suggests that, you know, there's there's really some some things that they need to work on uh, with, you know, very little to no time to, to work on those things. So, you know, it's, a, it's an important few days here, days off, uh, practice time to try to sort out what they're going to do next. And, uh, you know, they, they certainly there's a, you know, it's one thing people like to say a lot of the time when they, you go on a losing streak like this, there's a lot on film that they can uh, take a look at. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been discouraging. It's not over by any means they're going to be in the tournament they're going to have a winnable first game in the big 10 tournament for sure uh yeah they, they definitely have the opportunity they definitely have the talent and uh the, and they've shown resilience a number of times this season uh but you know this is going to be you know a week two weeks here that are, is the biggest test that this team this program for a long time as well uh, has had yet yeah i mean i'm i'm glad you guys me- mentioned lamar uh, and I think we can dive into Lamar a little bit more in a second, but I've been really interested uh, in just whatever has happened to Penn State's offense. And I, looking over the last couple of games, 56 points in the loss to Illinois, 60 to Indiana, uh, 65 in the win against Rutgers, uh, 68 against Iowa, Michigan State, they did score 71, but that is uh, a hair misleading because they had 46 in the first half and then 25 in the second half and then just couldn't break that 70-point barrier against Northwestern. I think that's probably where the mix of not having Myron Jones there and getting him back into the swing of things and Lamar just kind of hitting a bit of a wall, it hurts them there. I think it's hurt their concentration at times on defense. It's just been the entire house of cards seems like it's coming down a bit and Eric expanded on this first, so Dan, I'll go to you. Uh, when we talk about Lamar Stevens, this last little stretch that he has uh, certainly hasn't been 
his best uh, 13 points against Illinois, 20 against Indiana, but that, I mean, 29 against Indiana, but that 29 came on 27 shots from the field, 9 against Rutgers, 20 against Iowa, 15 against Michigan State, 18 against Northwestern, not particularly efficient shooting either. It, has something in your eyes just looked off about Lamar? Like, what do you think, you don't want to speculate too terribly much, but based on what we see, what do you think has been going on with him? I think the main thing is is what we've already touched on a little bit there, which is that at the same time that he ran into some good defenders specifically for him, they, they at first they were missing Myron Jones, uh, but you know it, it just the rest of the offense has been off, and because he's sort of the the straw that serves the drink for them, the need for him to always try to get his shot means that he's been forcing things a lot more. He can't get into the rhythm of the game. Um, you know, so it's something where I think that that's probably been the main factor. Certainly the, uh, nosedive of his, uh, free throw shooting in the second half does make you a little bit concerned that there may be something more, uh, you know, as the games have gone on, his free throw shooting has gotten worse. You know, I think the numbers bear it out a little bit, but certainly the eye test bears it out more where he does not look comfortable. And, you know, you, if you're, if you're speculating about him, you know, uh, being a little worse for the wear towards the end of the season here, I think that that's certainly reasonable um i think the fact that he's getting towards the end of the end of these games and looking like he doesn't really have his legs under him suggests that you know he may be overcompensating he might have you know one that's you know nicked up a little more than the other uh but overall i think it's just you know the main thing that i've noticed has just been the the tough looks that he's taking you know he just there's very little is coming easy to him right now it's one of those sort of self-fulfilling prophecies at some point. But, um, you know, the easiest way for him to get out of that slump is for Penn State to find other ways to score, to take the pressure off of him a little bit. And uh, the inability to do that, dating back to when Jones was out, uh, I think is just as much of a factor and has really, uh, you know, I think compounded some of the issues that Stevens has had down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's been kind of surprising to me is that he just doesn't seem... Uh, and you know, Dan mentioned kind of the wear that wear and tear it seems like he's taken. Uh, he doesn't seem nearly as comfortable when he's getting to the rim uh, and he's getting layups. You know, they're usually contested. There's usually a person or two there. But with how big and strong Lamar is, he's usually able to finish through contact. And it just seems like that's kind of, uh, you, you know, he just hasn't quite been able to do that. Uh, his mid-range game hasn't quite been on and I'm glad Dan mentioned uh the need to get someone like Myron Jones back just to get someone who can like take attention off of Lamar and make it so when he's getting the ball uh when he's getting the ball on the wing he's not having to worry about other defenders coming around or there's somebody on the perimeter that could be a bit of an outlet for him whatever it would be uh Eric same question to you. Like Lamar just looks off. Is there anything about him uh, that is particularly alarming to you as he's been going through this downstretch? Um, I don't want to say there's anything. I mean, obviously it's alarming because he's just been playing so poorly. Um, but as far as is, is there anything he can't overcome, um, I don't think so. Uh, I, d- I do think, I, again, I'm, I'm going to cite Chambers' press conferences a lot here because I literally just watched it in the last like hour. But he talked a lot about this today as well, about the um, kind of the mental state that Lamar is in. Um, you know, he's the face of the program. 
you know, we've heard all year he came back. He's kind of been the poster child for everyone who wants to hate on, like, the transfer market and all the early departures for the NBA. You know, he came back to school, blah, 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 that whole narrative that a lot of people like to rally around. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him. And, and, you know, they finally, you know, they've been climbing all year. They get to the, into the top 10. And then, you know, this becomes the expectation of, of winning every night. Um, and he has not handled that pressure very well. Um, but I do think it's more mental than it is physical. I mean, I know, like, when you look at him through the eye test, a lot of people will say he looks exhausted, drains. Um, I think it's more mental exhaustion than it is physical. This guy clearly, he's been an iron horse for four years. He's played every game, four-year starter. Um, I don't know what the career minutes record is, and Penn State probably hasn't played enough postseason games for him to qualify, but he's got to be up there because he's just he's logged so many minutes. But this particular year, he hasn't been logging those 38, 39-minute games much in this conference season. He's mostly been kept under 35 for most Tonight's partly from his own fault for for dumb fouls or or having to pick up a second foul ten minutes in the game or or sometimes they've been blowouts and they've been able to get rest for him. So I don't buy the physical like tired excuse at all. Like he just needs a couple days rest, he'll be fine. Um, I do think they need to to ease the mental pressure off him. And, and Chambers seems confident um, that they've done that. They've he cited watching a video today, kind of re-energize, get the um, positivity going again, and, and just realize that he just needs to play play basketball at this point. Stop worrying about um, the expectations. So I, I don't know. It, it's kind of I think it could be a combination of things. The biggest thing, honestly, though, for especially in March, is it's all basketball is a game of matchups. And if if Penn State gets good matchups, I think they got a decent matchup um, heading into the Big Ten tournament where they wouldn't have to face um, some nightmares like Michigan State or something again until the weekend. So um, they're looking at either Indiana, uh, you know, let's let's be honest, Indiana, Nebraska's pretty much quit on the season, um, and then Maryland. <laughs> um, yeah, that's their path in the Big Ten tournament. And those are two teams that, uh, if you had to pick two of the top, whatever it is, 10 or 12 Big Ten teams that you're likely to face, those are probably be two that I would – have towards the top that I would want Penn State to play. You know, you don't want to see a play in Wisconsin after they're 0-13 against them. Sure don't want to see Michigan State. They look like they're about to go on a tear. Um, Illinois has the athletes that can clamp down on them. So, um, and it's going to be the same way in the NCAA tournament. Like, their potential and, and Lamar's potential is going to be dependent on do they have anyone who can match up with him physically and can, and can guard him uh, one-on-one and can collapse on him. So, um, we'll see. Um, it certainly would be disappointing to uh, see Lamar's career end this way. Um, I don't think it will necessarily, but just because he plays well doesn't mean that they're gonna win in the tournament. So, so we'll see. Have you looked up his Have you looked up his numbers like in the last three or four weeks? They're bad. They're they're, they're <laughs> not particularly. I I mean I just looked up. Uh, I looked up the. Uh, points and field goal stuff. Well, Dan was speaking earlier. Then I did the free throw math, and he's at like sixty-eight percent over the last six games, or something like that. Which, yeah, it like that's not great. I, I mean, well, that actually that's, that's feels fine. like he, he was doing right. worse. That, that. That's fine, but also like during the winning streak, eight for eight, four for six. He had a three for eight one in there, five for six, nine for twelve, nine for eleven, and five for six. So like, we know that th- this is where I think a lot of 
the issues with Lamar comes from with me is that like we know it's in him to be the kind of guy who could take over games to uh, you know who is the matchup nightmare that Eric mentioned uh, on the defensive end of the floor. He has physicality, his ability to rebound. That's all stuff that he's figured out how to use to his advantage. Like it's in there, and if he is re-energized, which is what uh, you know Pat alluded to that Eric just mentioned. That's huge for Penn State. Like, if he really is fine physically, uh, that and that's really all it comes down to, then I'll take my chances in any game with Lamar Stevens, especially if I know that Lamar Stevens is at a place where it feels like he's uh, comfortable and able to be the best version of himself. But like you mentioned, we haven't seen that over the last couple of weeks, and I would argue more than on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously, they had a terrible, terrible, terrible defensive game against Northwestern. Uh, I was texting with a friend of the site, Ryan Jones, about it. Uh, and I basically said, yeah, Penn State got senior day because uh, Northwestern saved their one good day for senior day. And suddenly, uh, Miller Cop is able to hit five of nine threes. Like, everything's terrible. But Michigan State, good offensive team. Iowa, good offensive team, especially at home. But like, I think Penn State's defense has been all right this past couple of, uh, you know, these past couple of games. Just, you know, the body blows, I think, added up a little bit in those last ones, too. But Penn State's offense is the one that's been concerning me lately. I and mean, we They're 43rd in Ken Palm. I don't know what they were uh, at the end of the winning streak, but I believe they were in the 30s, maybe, something like that. Maybe a little bit higher than that. It's really fallen off a bit lately. And Eric... Beyond Lamar and the issues that he has had getting going, to what do you attribute the issues that we have seen Penn State have on that end of the floor? Yeah, that's a good question because defense, um, I'm going to pre-qualify this just because I don't feel like I have an educated opinion on it because, you know, watching a college basketball game, you can't see all the intricacies of, you know, any team's defensive performance without seeing the game at least twice. And I can tell you I have not been watching – Rewatching these games, um, but they've been they've been struggling for sure. And really, the big thing from a team defense perspective, you know, they're not they just have kind of lost their toughness. They definitely were um, kind of out toughed by Illinois and Michigan State at home for sure. Um, you know, I think the road games are are different beasts. Um, and and I don't, I'm not going to put too much stock into the Northwestern loss as bad as that is. Um, it's their first quarter three loss, and you know Northwestern had only won two games against Nebraska all year. Um, I think that was just kind of a culmination of just you know of this collapse that's been in motion ever since yeah. everyone started talking like, about them being Big Ten potential Big Ten champions. Like we hate, but the, just to interject there, like we hate saying this because you know you never want to hold yourself to the standard. Like that kind of stuff just happens in college basketball sometimes. Like. It's yeah. unfortunate. Like sometimes you, sometimes like you just run into a team in their building and they have a good night. Like it happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's who knows. I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in regression, regressing to the mean. And um, you know, so once that eight game winning streak was going on, as, as exciting as it was, and as much as like, oh, this team's never gonna lose again, we all knew they were gonna lose again. Now, did I expect them to go one and five down the stretch? Absolutely not. And I definitely think there's cause for concern you know heading into the postseason you don't want to be this flat but um am i surprised that they're not big 10 champions 
no, uh, you know, or if they miss out on the double buy, I mean, it's disappointing. But um, kind of just seeing the way it's 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 folded, it's it, you know, I'm not terribly shocked. You know, as far as their defensive woes, though, going back to that, um, they've stopped turning they stopped turning their opponents over, and I don't know how much of that is just a lack of energy, how much of that is um, compounding issues, or if they just played better teams that had better athletes. Um, you know, Michigan State obviously is lo- is locked in right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but I can tell you numbers-wise, you know, that's a big reason why Penn State's defense has fallen off is they're not deflecting. They're not really, you know, when's the last time you see Mike Watkins block like three or four shots in a game? Like that used to be like an every other game thing. And I feel like this is, he's just last like eight games or so, he has just not really been the same rim protector. Now he's out. We don't know what his status is. Um, you know, John Harris, for as good of a rebounder as he is, you know, is he stopping Luca Garza one on one? You know, that's too much of an ask out of, of what we're getting from John Harris. So um, they definitely have some some defensive concerns, but they really got to get back to to pressuring the ball, pressuring the passing lanes, um, using their speed and athleticism to their advantage, and um, making things happen. Uh, Mike's last game with three blocks was the Iowa game at the Palestra. Otherwise, it's just been one or two for or, or zero. He, I mean, he didn't have any against uh, Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, or Michigan State. So, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, they're the entire. So Penn State's game plan is basically contingent on three things: it's turning the other team over and being able to get buckets to transition, being able to hit threes when you get them, and Lamar being able to do whatever he does. And over the last however many games, like it just seems like they haven't quite been able to do that. Dan, I want to go to you. Uh, again, Penn State's offense, to what do you attribute? What have you seen over these last couple of games that have led to it uh, hitting a bit of a wall? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of, I think, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Uh, you know, I think Eric's touched on a lot of it, but I do think, um, you know, it's it, it, there's a snowball effect sort of thing happening you know it the, the the confidence is gone a little bit from some people um you know on the team um you know i i think it's it's one of the things that are just you know that everybody feels a little more of that pressure you know it's the it's the squeezing the the batter the club a little bit harder sort of effect of you know i think uh you know you you just see that you that you're trailing on the scoreboard or you see oh you know we're starting to blow another lead again and, you know, you're just forcing things and you have those empty possessions and, you know, it just uh, you get into a bit of a death spiral with a lot of those things. And that that's happened more and more frequently as, uh, you know, the, the things have gotten more challenging down the stretch. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think just as much of a performance thing, it's de- it's definitely a, a, you know, a, a mental aspect of that performance, I should say, uh, that's that's contributing. It's not everything, you know, the. Uh, you know, the, the, there are, you know, other factors at play, but, you know, I think it's been pretty obvious to anybody watching that, you know, there, there have been, you know, some empty possessions, empty stretches in some of these key games that have been the result of, you know, when the, when the, the tide turns a little bit, uh, you know, them compounding it with, uh, with mistakes and, and poor decision-making. Uh, those are things that they, you know, it, when it was happening earlier in the season, in the non-con and when they had that first little three game losing streak in the conference play that, 
you know, what, what made this team different was that they bounced back from it and they, they showed resolve and they, uh, they went and, and had impressive performances when in years past they had not done so in those situations. Uh, you haven't seen as much of that bounce back here down the stretch. And I think that's the, the, the concern is that you, you don't want it to be, uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't want to run out of time when it comes to trying to you know, find that resolve and, and you sort of find that spark that you had a little bit earlier in the season because it's certainly still there, but uh, you know you don't have a lot of time to to write the ship necessarily, and you know it's it's going to really come down to uh, you know them you know as a team sort of rallying around this and trying to to get back to what they were doing that was working so well or earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean they beat five Ken Palm top thirty teams in the span of a month like that. Again, this is all stuff that's in there uh, with this team. Uh, any other major issues we want to talk about before we get to uh, talking about whether or not this is something that's... Because those are the general things, but there are other little minute bits of minutia that I think we can, uh, we, we can mention here if we'd like to. And Do you I want to talk we, like... Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to make a point. I'm sorry, this is like probably a tangent, but I wanted to talk a little bit about postseason awards. I think it's <laughs> hilarious, and I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to disparage, you know, Lamar Stevens, but the we fact that he's first team. We could not be happier team, that he got it. We could not be happier that Lamar Stevens got some kind of recognition. I think it's important that, is, that we lead off with that. That is a career award that we're going to say goes to, like, DJ Newbill and some of the <laughs> other past Penn State greats that should have been first team, but because they're... They played on teams that were garbage, like, you know, what happened to Dan O'Toole. Steven somehow got voted on both teams. He's a unanimous pick on both the coaches and the media for the first team. And then you look at his numbers from the last six games where his offensive rating was 83.7 and his effective field goal percentage was 33.3 and his usage was almost at 33%. It's kind of like, what? <laughs> okay. yeah, but the, the, real, the real reward will come in. When a a small picture is commissioned and placed above the entrance for a section on the concourse at the Bryce Jordan Center, <laughs> and you know that that's the ultimate prize, and that's that does put him in league with uh, DJ Newbill. So you know, I think uh, it was all worth it. Well, what would be the best section? Like, are we going like what? What's the best portal for him to like? What would be the prime real estate in the BJC for like the best player? Well, I mean, it kind of has to be one, one, one because he wore eleven, right? Fair. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, I think it. I think it matters less what the, the the numerology of it, and I think it's more about can it be next to somebody like Bon Jovi, <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, do any? So I haven't been to Happy Valley in like. It's been about a year since I've been back. I didn't get back for the football season or any basketball games this year. Last, did is there one of did, is there a picture of Michael Jordan in a Wizards jersey on any of the sections, or is that only on one of the banners? <laughs> I have not seen that picture. I think that it's in the. I think it's only in a framed photo lining the hallway uh, when you go from the media entrance to the uh, to the <laughs> press conference area where where you can eat before the game. Um, I do believe there are some. I mean, it's mostly a mixture of music acts and athletes. I I am not sure, and this is I think a good question. If is if there is any uh, photos of a monster truck? I believe there is. Over one of the concourses? Oh, uh, 
maybe over one. Of, well, I'm trying to remember from my last time there, but there might have been. Uh, yeah, I wasn't yeah, suggest. Okay. I wasn't suggesting that they should have a banner for the monster truck that says, you know, like Billy Joel sellouts and have all those, <laughs> like, monster truck rally sellouts. I don't know if that that's the level that I was talking about, but I feel like that one would get in there. I certainly would be outraged if Jeff Dunham and his puppets were not included in at least one section. <laughs> I mean, Kanye has played the BJC like three or four times, so I feel like Kanye absolutely deserves one somewhere. He, he has to. Yeah, yeah. They need to blow up the very, very blurry photo of him like at the other side of the gym yes. holding up a, an old Penn State basketball jersey. That, that's right. Yeah. Uh, just get it, get it really large above one of those sections. You cannot even tell who it is at that point, but you definitely have it on there for the for the real uh, Penn State basketball fans and the real Kanye fans, frankly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a uh, funny enough. I actually believe I saw Mike Watkins at one of those shows because everyone who goes to a Kanye show is decidedly not six foot ten, uh, and then Mike Watkins just walks through the crowd. So neither here nor there. Uh, let's talk about. All of these issues. We'll get a little more, uh, you know, we'll take it out. Let's about- talk about things that Mike Watkins isn't attending right now, including Folks. our games. Or uh, this episode of the pod. Uh, we'll take the 10,000-foot view on the issues that Penn State has had. We mentioned Lamar. We mentioned the offense cratering, the individual issues that, to me, when it comes to a guy like a Myron Jones and an Isaiah Brockington, Miles Dredd, uh, Curtis Jones, Seth Lundy, who had, it seems like they're all guys who play best when they are in a very certain rhythm. And it feels like that rhythm is lost among the role players. There are the issues with Lamar. There's the issues with front court depth that, you know, God bless him. They pop up whenever Trent Buttrick has to record a few minutes at the five. Uh, Eric with, you know, five some odd days off before they get to the big 10 tournament. And then from there uh, they'll have another, a week or so before their first NCAA tournament game. They're going to be well-rested. They're not going to have as many games packed into the condensed period of time that they have in conference play. Do you think these issues that the team has are fixable, or are they kind of just staring down the barrel of the gun right now? Uh, You know, there's not much hope for them over this next, you know, however many games of the year. You know, you can hope at your own risk. Um, you know, it's March. Anything can happen. I don't think they're dead in the water, even if they look like it right now. Um, they're still, you know, it, it, this is why we love postseason basketball. Just, you know, it's anarchy, as our friend John Rothstein would say. Like, who knows um, if Penn State can turn it around? I don't, I don't want to sit there and, and act like I'm confident in betting on it. But, um it's all matchups, and going into this game, they have a huge one. You know, presuming it's it's Indiana, they'll be playing the Hoosiers in Indianapolis. Um, I'm sure the Hoosier fans will be out. It'll be a big game for them. They're trying to make the NCAA tournament, and that's a game that they're going to need. Um, but if Penn State's just able to get their mean street back, get their swagger back, get their confidence, see the if they come out and hit three of their first like five three pointers, you know, get it, get some rhythm going, we could see that team that won eight Big Ten games reemerge and um, cause some problems on the other end. You know, you know, making baskets can cure a lot of things, and right now Penn State's shooting has been super streaky. Um, Miles Dredd has been streaky all year. Um, he started to kind of go cold there at the end. Um, Shamari Wheeler and Lamar Stevens, they've kind of lost all confidence in their shot over this um, three-point shot, I mean, over this uh, losing streak. 
But if they start making a couple, then absolutely. This team can immediately just start um, changing the uh, – turning the tide, if you will. So um, matchups are going to be the biggest thing, making shots, playing defense. Um, it's March. Who knows who's going to win? Um, that's my spiel on it. Yeah. I, Dan, where do you uh, – where, where do you stand on it? Are you as uh, – you know – I, I agree with Eric that they should make shots and play defense. That, <laughs> that would be my summary. No, I, I uh, we are all on the same page with that. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think I think frankly the decision not to make shots is really blown up in their face. But the the <laughs> oh, no, ultimately the uh, I'm I'm not actually trying to to bust Eric's balls on that because that is you know I think his overall point, which is very good, which is that you know it it is somewhat simple when it comes down to it, and that those matchups are critical. You know the uh, I I think it, it you know the the I the notion that's been floated already that. When you get Lamar Stevens uh, away from a conference that has had so many years to uh, to learn, study how to defend him and everything like that, and get him into the tournament against somebody else, some other program that has a, a lack of familiarity with that, uh, that it's it, you know it, it's it, it can only help um, you know that uh, you know that part of it, um, and so yeah, I mean I, I would. I'd love to see them at least just get one win in the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think I, I agree with Eric's point also that uh, I think Maryland as a as a potential uh, matchup there before you get to you know the real uh, you know, guts of the tournament there if they can if you can get to the weekend um, is probably an advantage, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I just get one on the board, get you know, get things reset a little bit there. You know, have a, have something that you can build on heading into the tournament, and then you know, I think ultimately, uh, you know, then yeah, I think it just becomes uh, you know a matter of matchups at that point, just seeing what the luck of the draw gives you. But you know, I, I think it's correctable because it's you know, it's not like they, uh, you know, haven't you know had an opportunity to try to you know make up for some of these things before. I mean, the you know. They've they've had games where they've uh, had the rest of the team rally without Lamar Stevens. Hell, they I mean they almost beat Michigan State. Uh, you know, with the way things were going in the first half, with Stevens playing um, one of his worst halves of the season. Um, you know, it, so it's it's not without precedent. You got Myron Jones getting back into the swing of things. I think uh, John Hara has been uh, pleasant this season in in how he's been able to, you know, at least get in there and and compete and battle and you know not uh, be a significant drop off for the team when he's playing the five. Um, you know, I, 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 you know there are there are things to build on. My, you know, Miles Dredd over the course of the season has uh, improved. Uh, you know, I think he's played good defense. You know, almost end to end in in a lot of these games. Um, and then his shooting has, has you know somewhat turned around as the season has gone on. And if you can you know, continue that trending in the right direction, you know there are definitely you know, uh, positive things you know you can go back to. The you know it is just a matter at the end of the day that, of some of those matchups. So I think you know there's certainly the possibility that they're you know, they can they can make a run in either the Big Ten or the NCAA tournament. But you know they've made it tougher on themselves. They've had some you know, tough things come up here at the end. So you know it's it, it's certainly not. Uh, us, you know, riding high the way we were before, but you know, it's it, it, you know, they're not out, and uh, you know, it, it's it's critical now for them, you know, as sort of a team and a program to to rally and figure out, you know, what's next here. Yeah. So while uh, both of you were talking, I went up and decided to look at some the, their three point shooting numbers because I we all know that Penn State is uh, 
we, we all know that Penn State's a team that really puts a premium on shooting threes and having that be, you know, that kind of works in tandem with Lamar. How many teams in the Big Ten have shot more threes than Penn State this year? Probably not many, because I know how many shots they've put up the last three games. Dan, do you would you like to venture a guess? Well, I I know Penn State overall their uh, you know percentage of three point attempts uh, you know number I don't think is outrageously high on a national average. I do think you know because of the tempo that they do have more uh, possessions than a typical team though. So you know it it probably is on the higher end. They have shot the second most three-pointers in the Big Ten this year. They've shot 765. In first place is Nebraska with 766. Penn wow. Yeah. Now, I mean, where do they come in in three-pointers made? In, yeah. <laughs> in three-pointers made, they are third. Uh, Wisconsin's oh, okay. at 269. Uh, Ohio State's at 261. And Penn State's at 249. Three-point field goal percentage, they are eighth at 32.5%. Uh, and college basketball, uh, I think the frame of reference is always, you know, is always going to be on, oh, the NBA, uh, NBA team shoot, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA hits on 33% of their threes. That would put them at seventh in the Big Ten. Like, th- there just aren't a lot of extremely good shooting teams in college basketball. But all this is to say, like, if Penn State's offense is going to find a bit of a spark. I think it's going to come from getting looks from deep and being able to hit them and then giving Lamar a little bit more space. But even if that doesn't happen, like I think having Myron Jones gives them a different dimension on offense. It gives them a different option when Lamar is not quite there. I think all of these issues can be fixed, but I think a big way for them to fix them is to just build their confidence up a bit in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, first game is 25 minutes after the 6.30 game ends on March 12th, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're going to play Indiana or far less likely Nebraska, uh, although if Indiana wants to lose to Nebraska, that would be extremely rad. Uh, and the winner of that game goes on to Maryland, and then the winner of that game goes on to play either Michigan State, Ohio State, or Purdue. We won't look that far ahead quite yet. Eric, I know you mentioned... Uh, Penn State's path and how you like how it sets up. So let's just let's just look at Indiana and Nebraska. That game first. Someone we assume Indiana is going to move on to win that. How do you think Penn State matches up against both of those teams? Feel free to delegate uh, your time based on the likelihood Penn State plays either team. So spend two seconds on Nebraska and then a minute and fifty eight seconds on Indiana. Uh, yeah. Is Cam Max still suspended, right? He's been suspended half the year for Nebraska. Uh, you don't even know. It's, so don't even well, I, I Googled it. So, Suspe- yeah. Still so suspended Nebraska, indefinitely. Nebraska's, they're done. They, like, Hoiberg's got a mess. So we're not even going to talk about them. Indiana, um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Like I said, obviously Indiana's going to kind of have a, a home court crowd. Um but they're also not a very intimidating team, and they've struggled to finish games at the end of the, at the end of close games. Um, their backcourt isn't particularly strong. Um, Devontae Green can be really good, but he can also be really bad. Um, Finnessy's never really um, caught, kind of caught his stride yet. You know, he was pretty heralded coming in, 
Um, and then they got Al Durham, who makes some freak, freak plays, but he's also just as capable of, of taking ill-advised shots. So um, that's going to be a game where if Penn State can keep Indiana off the glass, um, you know, Jackson Davis, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a handful. And if, if Penn State's not going to have Mike Watkins, um, you know, there's going to be a lot on John Harris' shoulders um, to, to log heavy minutes and be an effective rebounder. Um, that's actually going to probably be the biggest key. Now that like I'm kind of like thinking through this game in my head right now, and with Watkins not, who knows if he's in the picture or not? But if he's not, um, and honestly, even if he does suit up and play, sometimes he's not in the picture. So, um, if presuming Watkins gives nothing, um, it's going to be John Hare is going to really have to uh, hold Penn State's own on the uh, inside, especially on the glass. Uh, for Penn State to to be victorious, um, and then obviously for Penn State offensively, whatever they can do to get Stevens going and make threes around them, because um, they're not they're not a team that really has a lot of offense inside. You know, John Harris going to get a couple possessions a game, but he's not ever going to be a go-to guy. Um, and then they just don't have any creators, penetrators that can really um, put pressure on the defense. So make threes, rebound. See what happens. Force turnovers. Indiana will turn it over. Um, if they do that, they win. If not, it'll be another uh, early exit. And then who knows how we're feeling next week. My guess is we would not be feeling particularly good. But, Dan, uh, is there any thoughts that you have on Indiana and or if you would like to provide any on Nebraska, by all means, uh, go for it? I... Just got off of a flight last night from Florida, and um, I was out until seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. And so, in my brain right now, I do not have any energy for thoughts on Indiana or Nebraska. <laughs> uh, great answer, uh, and I mean that lovingly. That was actually the perfect answer to that. Uh, yeah, I mean everything that I've seen out of Indiana. Uh, the only thing that really concerns me is whether or not they're able to you know battle with Jackson Davis if he can play like the borderline five star that he was like then I think things could get hairy but like I've even when Penn State went there uh and lost against Indiana it felt more like the reason that Penn State lost was they just you know, they just didn't have it that day. It didn't feel like Indiana was doing anything particularly special. And I, I think that they would like the opportunity. Uh, you know, the season series is evened up right now, but this is a Penn State team that held them to 49 points at the Bryce Jordan Center. We know uh, Indiana's capable of having some real stinkers, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Penn State is able to find a swarm that happens. That means we're moving on to a game on the 13th, uh, against a Maryland team that Penn State had beaten early in the year. Nittany Lions took them down 76-69 to at the Bryce Jordan Center behind one of the most balanced uh, games that Penn State has played. Uh, Lamar, Myrian, Miles, Mike, and Brockington all had double-digit points. Uh, Eric, when you're looking at a game against a Maryland team that's going to be well-rested, gobs of talent, number 11 in Ken Palm, but also finished the year uh, on a bit of a low note. Where do you think Penn State, uh, like where would reasons for optimism outside of Penn State beat them earlier in the year come from in this one? I think 
Um, Penn State's always played Maryland tough. Um, you know, basically the anti-Wisconsin where Penn State's lost 13 in a row to the Badgers. Maryland, it seems like every game Penn State Maryland's played for like the last four or five years since Lamar's been here has been a, a close game. The Penn State's won their fair share of it. It's, I feel like the teams have just split uh, home and away every year. Um, so this particular year in this matchup, um, I think you know Maryland's good. Um, you know, Cowan obviously is a tremendous closer. He's a guard who can penetrate, can create, can hit the big shot, and is a good free throw shooter at the end of the games. Um, Jalen Smith, obviously super versatile, can step outside and shoot it. Um, highly athletic, big. He's a handful. But the but the the Terps supporting cast is kind of outside of those two guys can be either very good um, or no shows. Um, a lot of them are four star kids. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, I think, won sixth man of the year today. Um, you know, when he comes off the bench and he's making shots, he's making threes. Um, they're a much tougher team to beat, but he's just as liable to go 0 for 5, 0 for 6 as he is to go 4 for 8. So, um, if you can catch them on an off day, they can definitely beat them. Uh, they're also not a deep team. They only go six deep, uh, usually. So if you, and they're also a team that will turn the ball over a little bit too. So, um, if Penn State can do those things, I definitely think they match up pretty well. I mean, obviously Lamar's had great success against them. Um, it would be a, it would be an intriguing matchup. I, I do hope we get to see it. Um, they definitely got to beat Indiana first. To be truthful, though, I, I feel like you know, talking about this, I'd be more confident against Maryland than I would be Indiana. Well, Dan, it, it, does it solely just come down to Indiana's ability to rebound? or? Well, I think it's more – it's a combination of things. One, Indiana having more to play for and having a home environment – at the end of the night, it's going to be a factor in Penn State obviously coming in losers of five or six. You know, they until you actually start seeing the ball go through the hoop, you can keep acting like you're confident. But um, if things go south in that in that game early, um, I mean, if you remember that last Indiana game they played, it was it's really broken down into three parts or whatever. Penn State spotted them a 20 point lead um, in the first 15 minutes, and then they had that ridiculous. 30 to five run to get back into the game and take the lead for a minute um, over both at the end of the first half, the start of the second half. Then Indiana came back and, and ran away with it down the stretch. So if Penn State can channel those minutes where they had that 30 to five run, then obviously I'm talking nonsense. But um, those other stretches of those, of those games, um, Indiana really took it to them. So, um, I just think the timing, you know, not necessarily, it's not always about who you play. It's, you know, when you play, where you play. Um, coming in cold against Indiana in a, in a tougher environment has me a little bit more concerned than it would be potentially winning a game and then playing Maryland the next day, if that makes sense. No, no, for sure. Dan, do you, do you kind of share Eric's uh, – I, 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 do you share his take? Do you share his take on – uh, the potential matchup nightmare uh, that that Indiana could possess, all things considered. Yeah, I understand it, and I think if Penn State continues to play the way they've been playing in the last couple of weeks, uh, that you know that, that it's a concern that, that Indiana would would have the upset there. But uh, I would not necessarily go as far as saying that, I, that Indiana scares me more than Maryland does. Um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I, 
I think Indiana is just, you know, they, yeah, they, there is something to be said for what, how that was put, but uh, I, I just don't think that their ceiling is nearly as high. And for that reason, I, you know, it just, uh, on the whole, it can't, they can't really scare me as much as a, as a Maryland does. So I, I would be really concerned if Penn state loses to Indiana in the big 10 tournament. I'll put it that way. That, that's fair. And one thing that could certainly help Penn state, uh, in this is if they're able to have Mike Watkins, but whenever Pat Chambers says day to day, uh, whether it's an injury, whether it's a suspension, whatever it is, uh, I'm always inclined to think that it's not actually day to day. It might be a little bit longer than that. Uh, Dan, will uh, all of you take this one? Like, how does the complexion of uh, Penn State going into this tournament and possibly even the tournament that starts next week uh, change with in the event that Mike Watkins isn't able to play in either of them. It's definitely a concern. I mean, even if you're looking at Watkins as a backup for John Hera, you know, as he is at, at times this season done, I know, you know, he's, he's come off the bench quite a bit, but in, in many of those cases, he was at least playing as much time as Heron. But, uh, you, I mean, he's whatever you think about, you know, some of the, his, uh, you know, lapses in play at time, he's unquestionably more uh, of a player, more of a contributor, you know, has a much higher ceiling than someone like Trent Buttrick. And, you know, with, you know, we talk about matchups, you know, trying, trying to need to go into these games with the need to spend significant amounts of time in small ball. If you don't go to Buttrick and you need to have, uh, somebody like uh, you know Stevens playing the five, uh, you know it just greatly greatly limits the, their ability to uh, you know play the type of basketball they've been playing this season. Um, you know there are, Stevens is a five in the small ball lineup is something that you you want to only deploy uh, when you know, the matchup's right or you know they need a spark because things aren't going well. It's not something you want to rely on in any uh, any case and. Uh, you know, these. You know, we saw how you know tough things got when Myron Jones was out. You know, for all the talk of the depth, you know, there are specific parts of this team where you know the, there's not as much uh, depth, there's not as much wiggle room, and uh, you know the the limits that they have with you know with depth at the five and the limits that they have with uh, you know trying to go to a small ball lineup with a team that doesn't have a lot of uh, you know offensive creators on, in the backcourt. Uh, you know, it's it would put them in. You know, it would greatly hamstring them and their ceiling for either tournament if uh, if Watkins is unable to go. Yeah, I, mean, I I do like some of the looks that they're able to throw out uh, with Lamar at the five. Like it, Eric mentioned matchups earlier. If they're able to get the right matchup where they can go uh, with Myron Jones and then one of Curtis Jones, Isaiah Brockington, Jamari Wheeler, then Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy, and Lamar at the five. Like When that lineup works, it has the potential to work out really, really well. But again, like Eric said, it all comes down to matchups. And Eric, I kind of want to give you the final word on Mike here. How do you think him not being in uh, could potentially change the complexion of the next couple of weeks for Penn State basketball? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... I mean, I didn't really say when I was talking preview on Indiana versus Maryland, but but going through um, in my head my analysis, a, a lot of that was thinking without Watkins. I think Indiana poses a uh, a tougher tougher matchup just because of how much pressure they're going to put on the paint with Brunk and 
Jackson Davis and Justin Smith and Ray Thompson, like they, they have a significant size and athleticism advantage inside. And that's kind of really how they play basketball. I mean, it's the strength of their team. Um, so a lot's going to be thrown at, at Hera and, and Stevens and Stevens, you know, he's going to have to leave it all out there um, against the Hoosiers. So, um, yeah, Watkins not being a factor. Not, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about him. I think it's just it's disheartening, obviously, because um, you, you just know how gifted he is um, as an athlete. Definitely the best hands of any Penn State big man I've ever seen. Um, can really just eat up the ball and finish around the rim. And we just he just is not finishing the season strong. And now he's been suspended. And it's it sucks. But, um, you know, for the. For our purposes, I think it's only logical to just assume he's out because even if he is, um, even, like I said earlier, even if he suits up, you know, he was liable to go missing some nights anyway. So um, looking at this Big Ten tournament with Watkins not in the picture, um, you know, they're going to have to adjust on the fly. Now, you know, fortunately two years ago, this is kind of when John Hare emerged, they had their NIT run without Mike Watkins. So, um you know, Stevens is really going to have to pick it up and be able to help out inside with Hera because Hera can only do so much. But, um, but I'm not, I'm not lacking confidence. I mean, Hera's really, you know, I don't want to knock Hera at all either. I mean, he's really been playing well, um, been producing a lot more. He had a double double against Northwestern. You couldn't really fault him um, for that performance. Um, and if he's able to continue blossoming because he needs to take on a bigger road, a uh, bigger load, that's that's. That's exciting. I'm not going to bet on that happening, but um, we'll see. I don't know. This team has faced adversity before, and, they, and they've been able to uh, survive. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in this Big Ten tournament. Obviously, I think no matter what happens next week, everything is really going to be judged. Um, unless this team somehow wins the Big Ten tournament, which I, I really would not count on happening. Um <laughs> Their whole the rest of their season is going to be judged in the NCAA tournament, no matter what. So, um, you know what? If you're going to sit here and tell me right now um, they got to lose to Indiana, but they're going to go to Sweet 16, Sweet 16, I'm taking the Sweet 16 like in a yep. heartbeat. So, um, hopefully, this is just a, a good stepping stone to, for them to get some mojo going into the NCAA tournament. But even if they lose, they can still make up for it the following week when the brackets come out. So we'll see. I. I completely agree, and it, it would really suck if uh, this is how Mike's career at Penn State ends, just uh, ending with his play kind of t- falling off, uh, his play falling off a bit, uh, his ability to be a really impactful two-way big man uh, falling off a bit, and then ending with the suspension, but he's given a lot to this program. Uh, Again, hopefully we see him again, uh, and then hopefully Lamar is able to go out, uh, you know, guns ablazing in these over these next couple of weeks. Uh, y'all want to make a Big Ten tournament predictions? Who y'all think is going to be playing for the championship, and then who's going to end up winning it? Sparty, I agree. Yeah, it's hard to argue with them right now, isn't it? Well, it, no, no one is. Uh, no one is brave enough to go with the scorching hot Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah, brave I'm not, enough. I'm, I'm, I'm very cowardly. Either. They're a good story, but I don't believe in them. Yeah, they. Uh, let's see. Yeah. They 
beat they lost to Iowa and they might have to play they would have to play Iowa to get to play Michigan State. So that that could and also oh, Michigan's up there too. And who the hell knows in Michigan? Uh yeah, I mean Yeah, I mean they I mean that team has hold serve at home, which credit to them is tough league. Really the only like I mean, okay, they beat Indiana too. But Indiana and Michigan, those aren't like oh, this team's amazing road wins. You know what I mean? Like Penn State won at Michigan State. That is kind of like that's a that's a much better win to me than than what was Wisconsin's. I don't know. I don't want to sound like a hater. Wisconsin's co Big Ten champs. Greg Gard deserves Big Ten play or Coach of the Year, um, all that. But no, Michigan State's winning the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, uh, as our friend John Rothstein frequently says, October, November, December, January, February, Izzo. So this also was a Michigan State team that like they look pretty vulnerable for a stretch in February and then they just kind of turned it on. So that means Michigan state's going to the, they're going to the sweet 16 at the bare minimum. Uh, with, do we want to, uh, any other final Penn state things we would like to talk about? Any big 10 things we would like to talk about? Can I just roll the ball out there for the two of you? Um, it sucks that Myron Jones got sick. Cause I think he could have made third team all big 10. Yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to agree. Like, do you, and what, what him getting back to form is going to be a huge factor for Penn State showing life again uh, here in the postseason? I was going to roll that out there. Like, I the, the thing that I was the most upset about with the Northwestern game, uh, maybe he just wasn't physically up to it. Maybe like, I don't know what it was, but Myron only played 16 minutes. Uh, Curtis Jones played 24, and I would have liked to see Myron get the chance uh, to use that game to get his legs under him a bit more, uh, be the focal point of the offense a bit more. Uh, it, what, what do you want? I mean, what do we? How the, I wrote about this a bit, but how do you guys think Myron kind of just changes the complexion of everything uh, when he's able to give them a little bit of a spark on offense and on defense, for that matter? Um, you know, it's, hmm, I'm, I'll, I'll let Eric start with this one because okay. I'm sort of waffling. Well, no, you will, you will enjoy this, Dan, because I feel like it'll give you a chance to talk about um, Jamari because I, I feel like the reason why Myron is so, um, such a big deal is that Penn State's really played this whole season without really a natural offensively gifted point guard and they still don't have one. Um, even before uh, Rasir Bolton transferred, because because Rasir Bolton wasn't really one either. Um, ever since Tony Carr left, they've they've lacked a a playmaker, a point guard um, with the ball in his hands. And usually in March, that can be pretty fatal. Um, you know, when you got Michigan State with Cow- or Michigan State with Winston, Maryland with with Cowan. You know, usually great guards rise to the to the forefront in, in March. And, and Penn State's tried to get by without really getting anything from Jamari Wheeler on the offensive end. Um, so so Myron coming back, you know, I don't know how you how you want to describe Myron. He's definitely a good ball handler, but he's not someone who I would consider. I mean, his name's Buckets. His name's not Handles. He's not someone who can break <laughs> his defender down every possession. I mean, you know, that – him going off against Michigan State and then coming up and getting completely locked up by Rocket Watts um, was a little disheartening, and I don't know how much of that you want to credit 
um, Rocket Watson, Michigan State, and how much you just want to say maybe his, you know, recovering from his illness and getting back to 100%. Maybe his stamina is not all there. Um, not really sure what that is. Um, but, Byron, like, I, I, you know, Myers a capable guard um, as far as running the point. Um, he's a smart player and he's an elite shooter. But is he really who you're looking for um, to break down the defender, get in the teeth of the defense, and making the right play, whether that's a shot or a pass? Um, I'm not sure. And really, he's the only one because um, Curtis Jones absolutely is not, um, as we saw when Myron was out. Any backup point guard minutes to Curtis Jones did not really look too great, And uh, to put it politely. And Jamari hasn't really been able to give them much of anything. So um, yeah, that's I mean, really kind of, I think, the biggest – I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest weakness they're facing going into March. Yep. Yeah, the um, I I, I just it, I I don't know that I, I guess I must not have paid close enough attention to this stat on Ken Palm in years past to to quite have the right context for it. But his turnover rate, Jamari Wheeler, is thirty two point seven right now. Not good. That, that seems almost impossibly high for a point guard. Oh, like yeah. I, I don't remember seeing anybody with that high of a number that wasn't like Julian Moore. You know that that's that seems really really. I mean, he's it it backs up the eye test. He's incredibly frustrating to watch on offense. I mean, for all of his his you know excellent uh, you know athleticism when, and on defense and jumping passing lanes and getting out there, you know it's you know he uh, just the decision-making and the sloppiness and the, you know, the drives that end up with him just doing the TJ McConnell circles around the, you know, paint, uh, <laughs> you know, that uh, I got so used to uh, as a, a Sixers fan for a long time. Um, the, you know, it, it's, it is, you know, I, I'm on board with blaming him for uh, Myron's struggles if, if that's where we're going with this. But, um, you know, it's, you know, hats off to Jamari. He's, he's trying hard. Yeah, it, it every time he'll do this a few times a game. Well, once or twice a game, where Jamari will just like blow by a dude and then just get a you know a beautiful like underhanded scoop layup that he just lays in. And every time he does that, like I'm extremely happy, but I also like pull my hair out because I wish he could do that more frequently. And I actually went back and looked. Uh, freshman year, Tim Frazier's turnover rate was 26. percent uh, which was quite high, but not quite as high as freshman Bill Edwards at 31.3%. So that was the, the uh, just two guys from the exact same team who were quite bad, but not quite at the level well, that Jamari's at. I did want to ask you and, guys. And you said how frequently Jamari does that. I would say five times as frequently Jamari does that, but instead of an underhanded layup, he, then he just keeps run, running. Yeah. He runs back out to the top of the key, and suddenly there's 12 seconds left in the shot right, clock exactly. and they reset. So which is why uh, I pull my hair out because, like, Dude, we know that you're capable of doing that and like getting a look or like getting in there and making the defense collapse even the tiniest bit. I wish he could kick it out to somebody, but I did want to just as kind of a last little prompt, uh, since we're on uh, minute 63 of this podcast, uh, Eric mentioned Myron as a ball handler and how you know, nicknames buckets, it's not handles. Uh, he he's the best guy they have in terms of assist rate, the best guy that they have on the team 
the team narrowly over Jamari. Uh, low turnover rate. Still not really a natural point guard, but I would argue that I would still prefer him as the number one ball handler, and they just kind of play without a traditional point guard, and they just do a more egalitarian thing on offense. And they basically limit Jamari's minutes to being very defense-focused, not needing him to run the point. Well, uh, in, that case, in that case, who's on the floor instead of him? Instead of, Jamari. I would say uh, Myron, and then one of Isaiah Brockington uh, or uh, Miles Dredd. Well, two of Isaiah Brockington, Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy, and then Lamar, and then a big man. I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. I think that's going to be there, you know, when when Wheeler's off the court. That's certainly, you know, what they've been doing anyway. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of how more, how much more often you want to see that. And I think the game dictates it a little bit. You, if you're going to have Myron be running the point, I think you need to have one of those days where one of those guys that you just mentioned, whether it's Brockington, Lundy, or your uh, or, or dread uh, is feeling it whether it's you know brocketing you know slashing to the rim or uh, dread or lundy you know shooting the ball you know you need to have one of those guys you know commanding some attention on defense to to open things up for the rest of them before i think you can really rely on that uh, as mm-hmm. a you know as sort of the way to go otherwise you're probably in a situation where you're needing your defense to to set the tone a little bit more, which is why I think you still kind of have to, you know, lean somewhat on on Wheeler more in those lineups. That that's fair. Like Eric, what do you think of, uh, you know, basically just saying screw it, like we won't play with our quote unquote point guard and Jamari, and we'll basically have a combo guard playing the one. Uh, I mean. It, a lot of that depends on what the other team's doing. You know, I don't want to beat a dead horse. It's all about matchups. Um, if you can get, if you can afford to have Jamari out there, um, or if you need him to to lock up the uh, opposing guard, you know, sometimes you can play both of them. Obviously, you can play Myron off the ball, and he can bring the ball up. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. This this by committee thing um, is just how they have to play with. The, the roster that they've assembled right now. Um, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that they are recruiting um, Noah, um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I should know. Um, from the kid from Jersey. I mean, we don't usually talk about recruiting on here, um, but really the only guy that they've. Yeah, Farrakhan. There we go. Um, the only guy that. Uh, has really kind of emerged as a target to finish out this current recruiting class is um, a true point guard playmaker in New Jersey playing for uh, the Patrick school with a bunch of top tier recruits. Um, I do think that's their biggest need on their roster right now. So, um, but as far as the current personnel and, and what they got, you know, they just got to make it work. Um, you know, I don't want to say Jamari, Jamari's hopeless. Um, you know, after all, for as, as terrible as his turnover rate is, he does actually have almost a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, but the reality is that he just never uses possessions. He just never does anything. He's just never involved. Um, and for how many minutes he plays, that does eventually wear on um, the offensive production. So um, that's why we want... Myron to get back to to give more firepower to 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 put more pressure on the uh, 
the opposing defense because he obviously will have the ball in his hands and can make things happen, um, particularly when he's when he's hot shooting the ball. So um, as a, we'll as see. a complete so. uh, as a complete aside, what an unfortunate last name to have in a politically charged climate. <laughs> Uh, I feel. I, feel I, I for knew young, something young was coming. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I, I, I do feel for for young Noah that he has to uh, has to bear that burden right now because that is something that I, I have to imagine is not really on his radar, and yet you know it, it is something where on Twitter I can imagine there being a lot of. Uh, confusion and some mentions where people get some things out. Yeah. The, 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 the name search types getting, getting <laughs> some things. in. so that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, good luck to him. Well, if that's not the best possible note to end this podcast on, I don't know what it is. Uh, make sure you're tuning in, uh, Thursday evening, Penn state will play one of, uh, Indiana or Nebraska. And then hopefully that is not the last game Penn state plays in Indianapolis this year. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and our various plat- podcasting platforms. You know all of them. By now, make sure you're heading on to uh, Apple Podcasts, especially leaving us a five-star review over there. Make sure you're following us on all our various social media channels. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site by buying some shirts, doing whatever it can to get the word out. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-hosts, Eric Gibson and Dan Smith, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.